Blog Talk Radio. From Los Angeles, California, the music capital of America, it's Music Friday Live. And today we're talking with the woman who corrals the artists for the nation's largest outdoor free concert series. And we are also going to chat with the African Queen Bee of Music. She's in New York, so we'll be chatting with her a little later today. I'm your host, Patrick O'Heffernan. We are going to have a wild show, so don't go away. I am Patrick O'Heffernan. I am your host here on Music Friday Live. Don't forget this is your show. You're with the musicians and the artists and the people and the guests are here to talk with you. So call in at 347-215-7511. Or, you know, if you're at work and you've got your earphones on, you can't really call in, email us, musicfridaylive at gmail.com. That's musicfridaylive at gmail.com. Um, just wanted to say welcome to our listeners on the CyberStationUSA.com network and their radio affiliates. That's on the East Coast, and those stations hear us on what's called the Overnight. That's a little later tonight. So welcome to all of my audiences out there. But remember, I won't be live when you hear us, so you can't call in. But do, do send some emails. If you have questions, you have comments for our guests, send us an email, musicfridaylive at gmail.com, and we will forward them on to our guests. And also for all of our uh, our listeners in London who are going to hear us, I guess, tomorrow, right? You can do the same thing, and we're really we're really glad to uh, to hear you. I wanted to um, uh, tell everybody about a, a, an event going on tonight in, uh, in Los Angeles at the Continental Club. That's uh, downtown on uh, uh, 6th Street, I believe, but you can look it up in, in – uh, on Google Maps, uh, at 9 o'clock, our good friend Mitre is going to be there with his new duo with Andrea Sandoval. It, it is a special BMI uh, showcase, and they're going to be singing songs from their new album. And, of course, they're part of our bilingual Musica Fusion uh, guests. Uh, they're part of the revolution that I call American Latino music going on in uh, in East L.A. and South L.A. So that's they're going to go on stage at 9 o'clock. Doors open at 8 o'clock. It's the Continental Club. Remember, the Continental Club is one of those places where they want you to look nice. So no flip-flops, no shorts, no old ragged T-shirts, but, you know, dress up. Now, the women, of course, always dress up, but for you guys, you know, Get some long pants out of the closet and, and, and put on a nice shirt because you're going to be dancing. So you can't dance in tennis shoes, okay? You can't, can't dance in those Converse. All right, we're going to take a, a, a quick break uh, uh, right now because our broadcast partner, World Arts, has a quick message for you. Don't go away. World Arts brings the entire music world together on one global stage. We give artists the tools to sell and license their music, interact with industry pros, and play live to a whole new audience. Wherever they are on their journey, we want artists to get paid for what they create. At World Arts, fans can discover new songs, get exclusive rewards, and crowdfund projects for artists. Brands can offer opportunities for artists to create original content that fans can instantly vote on and share. World Arts is the global music platform where we can all rise above the noise. Take your career to the next level. Discover new artists. At World Arts, it's all about the music. You should be part of World Arts. We're part of World Arts. Sign up at www.worldarts.com. It's free. We're there. You should be, too. If you have anything to do with music, you love music, you're in the music industry, you need to be on World Arts. Well, imagine 14 weeks of music ranging from the Latin Grammy winner Gabby Moreno to the Los Angeles Symphony Orchestra interlaced with hip-hop, cumbia, big band jazz, rock, theater, art, beer, food, and a 52-story earth art for free. 
And that is what Grand Performances 2017 of Los Angeles is. One of the largest, if not the largest, and most diverse free music festivals in the country. And behind this extraordinary festival, which runs from the beginning of June to the end of September, is an extraordinary woman, Lee Ann Hahn. Han joined the Grand Performances in 1992 and is now Director of Programming. That is the artistic power behind the festival. She works with the L.A. Association of Performing Arts Presenters, Arts Partners Program, the Los Angeles Cultural Affairs Department, the Los Angeles Dance Kaleidoscope, the Los Angeles County Arts Commission, and many, many, many other (laughs) of the many arts institutes. That is why... L.A. is the music capital and rapidly becoming the art capital of the country. Sorry, New York. And we're very fortunate to have her with us today. Leanne, welcome to Music Friday Live. Wow. Thank you very much. That's some introduction. Well, actually, I, I, we had to edit it down because you have such a great resume. So <laughs> Otherwise, well, we'd never get around wow. to talking with you. Well, well, you know, grand performances is kind of a big you know, sort of aggressively eclectic things. So there's a lot to talk about. So let's you go. You bet, and we're going to. Uh, and also, there's a lot to talk about you, too. But first, let's talk about grand performances. Now, the mission of grand performances is to inspire community, develop diversity, and unite Los Angeles through free access to global performing arts. That's quite a challenge in the most diverse city in the country and the second largest Spanish-speaking city in the world. How in the world do you assemble acts and audiences to fulfill that mission? You know, it's not, it, it's a time consuming job. People say to us all the time, what do you do when you're not making concerts? And what we're doing for those other nine months of the year is fundraising, planning, you know, getting ourselves together so that come June, we've got a really great slate of performing arts experiences for the city of Los Angeles. So we're, we're writing grants, we're reaching out to artists, we're talking to our colleagues that also make summer concerts. It's a big, sort of huge group effort. We all just sit and put our noses to the grindstone and never have any fun. <laughs> okay. Well, but yeah, you know, it's good. Uh... <laughs> Um, I'm not sure I believe that one. Uh, L.A. Uh, has been uh, pretty good at navigating the racial and cultural uh, changes and differences in this vast city, uh, which is not right. to say there haven't been problems. There have been. But right. when I go to clubs, and I go to a lot of clubs, I see every race and every color rocking out to every kind of music. Do you feel that Grand Performances contributes to that sense of comity in this city? No doubt about it. We've been at it for 31 years, right? And so the agenda, the, the, the values of the organization and our mission has been, was put in almost at a cellular level from the beginning of our program. We wanted very much to service the very many different communities that make up the city. So what appears to be a really big thing is actually for us a whole lot easier because Los Angeles is a microcosm of the whole world. As you know, we are global. And I think the Grand Performances has done a really good job of, you know, we were probably one of the first real major institutions to look at world music as a form and really celebrate it and bring music in from many different parts of the world and celebrate those artists that live in Los Angeles making music from their own sort of, uh, from their own familial cultures and presenting that on our stage. We believe that... It makes no difference who you are, what art form you're making. You, your art, if it's good and there's an audience out there for it, deserves to have the same um, technical support, the same, same quality of sound reinforcement, the same lighting design as any other artist. So, you know, we treat all artists equally and the same. And, you know, because I'm the programming director, my goal is always to take as good a care of the artists as possible because my belief is that if the artists are fed well and they are feeling good, then they're going to make a great performance. If they have a really great evening or noon, then the audience is going to have a great time as well. So, you know, we tend to be pretty holistic in our view, but my goal is, again, always to look after the artists. And Michael, of course, is your executive director. Uh, Michael Alexander, yes. 
Now, I know that uh, Grand Performances has been described as a gift to Los Angeles, but um, and it's free. People don't have to, to buy tickets. They just uh, they just come in. But um, how do you do that? Who pays for it? Who actually gave the gift to Los Angeles? It's a it's a it's it's it seems like it's kind of confusing at first, but in actuality, it's very simple. The ownership of the two office towers and the hotel that make up the core tenants, sort of, of California Plaza, are required through an agreement with the Community Redevelopment Agency in the city of Los Angeles for the lease of the land, the buildings they sit on. And they are required to give a certain amount of money to grand performances in order to produce the cultural offerings that we do. So that makes up about half of our annual budget. And then the balance comes through a very crazy mixture of applications to Uh, governmental agencies, the City of Los Angeles Department of Cultural Affairs, the National Endowment for the Arts, those those types of organizations, private foundations, and then mostly important is donations from our audiences. We pass a red bucket at intermissions, and we ask people to put whatever they can afford into that bucket in order to help us out. It's kind of like the offering at church. And then we have a membership program where people have the ability to give money, you know, smaller amounts or really big amounts. Amounts. We welcome all. And along with that comes some really kind of fun benefits, reserved seats and invitations to, you know, little lounges. And sometimes you get to meet artists and various things and stuff. So it's a real sort of mixture. And I think that makes us healthier as an organization because our funding is diversified. We're not counting on one specific community or one specific grant that we turn to all of the time. It'd be really nice to have a great big, huge endowment. And we would certainly love that. But I think that our donor base, our individual fans, and our individual audience members are so important. And I think that it makes them feel more connected to us in that they are helping us to make this really wonderful gift to the city. Well, I'm, I'm really glad to hear about the uh, requirement in the lease. Isn't that wonderful that the private sector um, has to contribute to the, the community, particularly to uh, the music community? We're talking with uh, Leanne Hahn, Programming Director of Grand Performances LA. You can talk with her, too. You can call us, 347-215-7511, or you can email us, as many of you already have. We are getting emails, but I'll give out the address again, Music Friday Live at um, gmail.com music party live at gmail.com and we'll get your emails in the cup in just a couple of minutes because i know a lot of you have some very interesting questions but i wanted to ask the range of music that you bring together is astonishing i mean even given the range of music in la since we're talking about uh, a future event it starts in about three weeks we don't have any music for it, but we do have a little that I'm sure we're going to hear because one of your headliners is, is a friend of the, the programs here, uh, Gabby Moreno. So I want to play a little bit of the kind of music that people are going to hear this summer. This is uh, Love is Gone by Gabby Moreno. <laughs> That was um, Love is Gone by Gabby Moreno. It's from her Illusions album. And she's going to headline the third week of grand performances, which is the best and most diverse free outdoor music and art festival in the country. And we're, we're talking with uh, Leanne Hahn, who's the programming director of grand performances. Um, we've got some emails, uh, uh, Leanne. So why don't we, we, we go to some of these emails here? 
Hyun Ki, and pardon me, Hyun, if I didn't pronounce your name correctly, Hyun Ki, who is in Los Angeles, wants to wants to know, is the Korean community represented in the music lineup? I'm sorry, is what represented? The Korean community. Ah, uh, the Korean community. Actually, this year, I have a really interesting program that's not music-based. Uh, it's a spoken word and literary program that's looking at the aftermath of the um, 1992 uprising, but being told from the Korean-American community's point of view. The name of the, wor- the, name of the show is um, uh, From the Fires, and it's um, really looking at Saigu, which is, for those who don't speak Korean, is um, 429, and that was the date of the, of the riots and the uprising. So I haven't had much Korean. I've had some, and I always hope to present more. Okay. All right. And of course, there's a, a thriving um, music community in Koreatown in Los Angeles, but a lot of it is uh, yeah. is pre-recorded. Uh, Regina in Montebello wants to know if um, GP, as she says, um, has any programs that operate in the neighborhoods as well as in downtown. Crap performances has been because we are funded by the, you know, heavily funded by the ownership of the two office towers and the hotel. The majority of our programs have all taken place in downtown at the California Plaza. But we have produced and curated for a number of other organizations around, and it's something that we want to do more of. So if Regina knows of anybody that needs some curatorial help or production help or marketing, we'd be thrilled to lend a hand. Okay, well, uh, you're available. Uh, what's your? Uh, how would you like people to contact you by email? Well, um, via email, I think that we have an info at grandperformances.org. If it's about you know, the work that I do, booking at grandperformances.org. But this is the perfect time to just go ahead and I'm going to make the plug. You can find more about Grand Performances at grandperformances.org. Our whole season schedule is up and running. Or if you're a Facebook person, you can always go to Facebook and find Grand Performances. And we make individual event pages for every single concert or event. It's a, it's a pretty good uh, little way to find out what you like. Okay. Sochi in San Diego wants to know, how do bands audition for grand performances? Do you have to be from Los Angeles? No, grand performances, although we have a very strong commitment to Los Angeles artists, we present touring artists from around the world and, you know, kind of around the block. I don't really, um, we don't really audition bands per se. Typically, you know, people send information to us. Um, booking at grandperformances.org is the best way to send that to us. Um, you know, and then if you want to just chime in on our Facebook page, I take a look at that stuff every now and again and see what's being recommended for us as well. Okay. All right. There's, there's your answer, Sochi. It's a lot easier than you thought. Uh, Six Pack Girl in Austin. That's an interesting uh, handle. Six Pack Girl in Austin <laughs> wants to know, do you ever do any collaborations with South by Southwest? Ah, that's a really great question. We have not collaborated with South by Southwest. I've thought about it a lot because they happen, as we know, in April, in March, and you know that gives us a little bit of time. Um, South by Southwest is a is a juggernaut, no doubt about it. I've, I I work with a lot of the bookers who attend South by. Um, you know, there's a kind of a, it's a big world, but it's a small world. So I've not done anything formal with South by I've thought about wanting to maybe partner with their film series, which I think could be a really interesting sort of perspective. Um, but no, I've never, I've never partnered with them. Have you been to South by? Yes. Many times. Okay. okay all right. Yeah. Uh, Laura in Seattle wants to know, do you know about Zootunes? concert series in Seattle, and does the L.A. Zoo ever do anything with grand performances? I'm familiar with the Zoo Tunes program. Um, grand Performances is a private nonprofit organization, as is the zoo. We, you know, it's a funny thing. Los Angeles is such a great, big, huge, spread-out city that we don't think of programs 
you know, like at the Santa Monica Pier or in other, ve- other venues as competition. We all kind of really work together pretty closely. Um, the zoo, probably, I think, when they're making work, really want very much to bring people to the zoo. And when Grand Performances makes work, we're trying to take, bring our audiences to where we're located. So, um, but that's a really good idea. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll reach out to the zoo and see if maybe we can find something really fun and furry to happen. Yeah, maybe you have some animals uh, there, and you know, there's there's also that that great pro- music program that goes goes on first Fridays at the the national uh, the Natural History Museum too. Yeah. And for those of you who are not in Los Angeles, uh, L.A. County is 4,300 square miles. It's pretty good size. So when she says they're not competing by L.A. terms, uh, the L.A. Zoo and downtown Los Angeles are not very far apart. But by many other people's terms, they're pretty far apart. L.A., incidentally, is also the only city in the country that is bisected by a mountain range. Believe it or not, there's a, a, the Santa Monica Mountains goes right through the middle of the city, and there's 2 million people on the north side and 2 million people on the south side. So it, it's quite a big place. Well, Leanne, <laughs> I, <laughs> you tell I love this place, my hometown. Leanne, you, you yourself have an interesting history. You're part Korean. You were adopted yes. when you were two years old by a German-American family in Iowa. Why did you move to L.A.? Wow. Uh, well, I was, uh, you know, growing up, I was the only Asian. And, I, and we had a couple of African-American families and a couple of Latino families. But for the most part, it was a very homogeneous community. And, you know, as I was a child, I didn't like being pointed out or being, you know, I was the one that's always kind of yeah. stood out, stuck out because, you know, I was brown and long black hair. My, you know, my family, my brothers and sisters all had blonde hair and blue eyes. So my goal all the time was to kind of blend in. So, you know, I, I, I've always had sort of a bigger personality, but I didn't like being the one that was always pointed at, you know, and stuff. So Los Angeles made a lot of sense to me because it is so diverse and so engaged with the rest of the world. And this is one of the beautiful things about coming to grand performances is that you always blend in. You always, you know, you can blend in and just be a part of the crowd or you can sort of, you can dress up and you can be really, you know, you can be more flamboyant and you can stand out and, and celebrate, you know, you, you can be whoever you are with no, um, no sense of oppression or no feels of feelings of guilt or like, do I belong, you know, and some of the, some of the sort of, you know, more soft, what I refer to as the soft seat houses, the, the places where you go and you're going to hear the symphony or you're going to pay a lot of money for a ticket. I think sometimes there's a little bit of a, you know, do I really belong there kind of a feeling. No matter who you are, no matter how you dress, no matter what style of hair you rock, you're going to feel good at grand performances. Whether you're coming do, for the do, opera or, yeah, it's going to be good. Do people, yeah? work, do people come in costumes? They don't come in costumes, but people definitely dress uh, in representational manners that are flying the flags of their home country. If they're coming to see someone from Mexico, you know, there's, you know, people, you know, like bring those flags and they fly them around and those kinds of things. And, you know, it's like, I think, you know, there are people, you know, come on dates and they are pressed and beautiful and handsome. And some people come Mm -hmm. as families and, you know, stuff. Okay. So it's a, it's, a com- it's a very welcoming, warm, and generous place to be. It, it is. Um, and and I, I believe, and I think uh, you believe that this too, is that you can achieve anything you want no matter who you are and what your dreams are exactly. in Los Angeles. And I just wonder, uh, in working for many years here with Grand Performances, uh, has Grand Performances strengthened that belief for you? A really great question. I I I don't know. Sometimes yes, and sometimes no. I I I think probably yes. Um, I, I I know that my attitudes have morphed and changed and evolved over the years, but I don't know whether that's a result of the work that I do specifically or just, you know, the gray hairs on my head. I it's probably a combination of all of those things, and also it's the input from the various people that I associate with, whether they're my friends and 
and, and a close inner circle or whether they are the people that are a part of the arts community and the humanities community because we do share, I think, a very important sort of universal a value system that yeah. art is something that's important to us as a, as a species and that everyone has sort of equal value in, in our society. You know, the, uh, as you were saying that, uh, that reminded me of when I first saw your head, one of your headliners, uh, Gabby Moreno, I saw her at the uh, Los Globos uh, at a Guatemala night and the Guatemalan consulate was there and Miss Guatemala was there and uh, there were Guatemalan flags in the audience and they had chairs set up for all the abuelos to, to sit and uh, mm. uh, in front of the stage. It was wonderful. But, um, and, but the song I just played by, by Gabby is Jazz Blues. It's it's the epitome yeah. of American roots music, even though right. she's from Guatemala, uh, right. and uh, in fact, she's from a very popular musical family in Guatemala. But she blends yeah. LA's cultures exquisitely. She's a perfect example of what you are doing, and I think it's a perfect example of what's happening here in the LA music scene. Which leads me to the question yeah. of how do you keep your fingers in all the many many pies in the LA music scene? It's an interesting thing how the internet has changed how programmers and bookers research and do the work. You know, when I first started all those years ago, we had to go out, we had to see, and there were there are listservs and things where we would share information. But you know, when I was and I was much younger then, but you you know, I was out all of the time. I was out four and five and six and seven nights a week seeing and hearing and we would go to conferences and see showcases and that sort of thing. I don't go out as much now as I used to because you can assess an artist's abilities fairly quickly by watching a few videos. You know, if they're produced videos, then not as much, but certainly live performances. The other thing that I'm, I'm, I'm fond of saying is that when you go to see a showcase, that sometimes the, the booker or the promoter or the presenter's job is to extend their imagination beyond the maybe less than ideal acoustic situation that they, the artists find themselves in and really look to see where that musicality lies. Um, take a look at how their work is being arranged. Is it very simple, straight ahead folk songs, or is it got a little bit more sort of um, sophistication to it? Not that one is more important than the other ever. Um, but I think that the way that we book has really changed over the last 10 years primarily because of our ability to communicate very quickly, very easily, and find information on artists and trends really with a few mouse clicks. It's a very, very fast global world that we live in right now, and so that's really affected how I'm able to and how my peers are able to assess artists, their availability, their value for our marketplace and those kinds of things very quickly and with ease. Sounds like what we do here, although I, I still go to the nightclubs uh, quite a bit, maybe two, three times a week. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we are just about out of time. Uh, we, I'm sure we could talk for another hour, but uh, we don't have it. So I want to give you time to make sure that everyone knows how to join, attend, and enjoy grand performances. Wonderful. Thank you very much. Um, Grand Performances, again, our website address is Grand Performances, with it's plural, G-R-A-N-D-P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E-S dot O-R-G. The O-R-G extension means that we're a nonprofit organization. You can go there and you can find information about our whole entire summer. Find us on Facebook, like us, follow our events. All of that is pretty easy to do. If you live in, and work in Los Angeles, um, by all means, you stop by the office, come to us. You can also find information about our donor program on the website, grandperformances.org. We welcome you, and we hope that um, 
even if you're not in Los Angeles, that maybe you'll take a look at our series and come and visit. It's really interesting to see how downtown has changed. I think a lot of people are becoming aware of this really amazing renaissance that downtown has gone through in the last several years. Downtown is not only a great place for arts. You know, we've got amazing museums and wonderful music programs. But downtown is an architectural treasure trove. Downtown has this series of historic theaters that are being used now in a way that they haven't been in, in decades we have the largest collection of Bose Arts buildings in all of the world that are that are preserved and used. And I mean, just stunning, stunning, stunning. You can walk down the streets of Los Angeles and meet a man from Egypt, um, a pair of kids from Tokyo. You can meet somebody from Guatemala walking, you know, eating, eating ceviche at the corner stand. You know, downtown is, I think, you know, some of the used to say all roads lead to Rome. I think that all, so they all lead to LA. downtown Los Angeles. Yeah, they, That's right. They all lead to LA. Well, thank you, thank you so much for for taking the time to be with us. And I I want to emphasize to everybody that they should check out grandperformances.org and consider becoming a member. The the perks are really worth it. And be sure to to look at your summer concert schedule and put. Uh, uh, grand performances on it, and and once again, we really appreciate uh, you being with us, uh, Leanne. We have to take a break now. When we return, the one and only African Bee Binks. Don't go away. You are not going to want to miss this. But first, we are going to take a short trip to Mexico. Just two hours south of the California border lies the enchanting seaside town of San Felipe, Baja California, where friendly people, warm waters, and a relaxing vacation awaits. And it all starts at www.mysanfelipevacation.com. Whether you choose to golf on the 18-hole championship course overlooking the Sea of Cortez with friends, enjoy a romantic weekend for two on the beach, or take the whole family for a fun-filled weekend of shopping and activities, you'll be sure to find just the right accommodations at mysanfelipevacation.com. So what are you waiting for? Isn't it time you got away? Visit www.mysanfelipevacation.com today. That's www.mysanfelipevacation.com. See you in San Felipe. Yes, you will see me in San Felipe. Um, unfortunately, I won't have a voice like that. God, I wish I had a voice like that, but yeah, just as close as possible. But you, if you are in Southern California or you're in Arizona, there is a fabulous vacation waiting for you, and it's only a half day's drive. Uh, it really is easy to drive there. It's in, uh, in, in San Felipe. It's on the Sea of Cortez. You can golf, you can swim, you can take the family clamming, you can tour art galleries, you can dine on Mexico's finest seafood. In fact, chefs from all over Mexico come down there for the uh, the shrimp festival because they pull the shrimp right out of the, the ocean, right in front of you there. You can even fly ultralight if you want to do that. They've got that down there too. So you can do all these things, stay in a luxury condo, budget studio apartment, or you can get a private sandcastle out in the dunes well the key to this paradise is mysanfelipevacation.com and the key to getting a discount is to put in the code MFLA5 and that will give you a 5% discount on everything you book there so mysanfelipevacation.com MFLA5 you'll be glad you did well you know people talk a lot about the growth of fusion Latin and North American music and the spread of rap and the influence of cumbia or salsa or ska or dubstep. But the real universal music is pop. It's written, sung, understood, broadcast, enjoyed, danced, and loved to in every country. And it incorporates the values and the stories and the languages of every country, where it's every country where it's heard. The South African artist Bink does that in spades, not only in music, but in costume and performance and songwriting, and most important, in, in what she calls her glow-in-the-dark heart. She moved from a small town in South Africa where she spoke Shosha, Afrikaans, and English to New York City, where even in that huge polyglot metropolis, she stands out for her style and her talent. 
Binks is both phenomenal and simply human. She takes the high gloss, high tempo, lightness of pop, and fills it with the kind of emotion reserved for blues or rap or poetry. It's an honor to talk with her today. Binks, welcome to Music Party Live. Hi, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. <laughs> well, me too. I've been listening to your music all day yesterday. And uh, wow, you know, we, we, we have songs from your new album, Queen Bee. But, but first, I, I want to give our national audience an opportunity to hear more about you, the person, as well as about you, the artist. So can we start with your childhood when your parents were doing dramas at home and wearing costumes and playing Bowie and Stones for you? Is that when you started to sing and decided this is what you wanted to do? Yeah, so I get asked this question a lot, sort of when was the when was the moment I sort of had the realization that I wanted to be to go forward with music and entertaining. And I didn't really the only time I can possibly put my finger on when I think I realized and sort of made up my mind was when I saw Britney Spears come out with her Hit Me Baby One More Time music video. And I just remember thinking, like, that is exactly what I want to do with my life. And obviously <laughs> the biggest inspiration, though, is my dad because he is probably a bigger muser than I am. He's obsessed with music. And introduced me to the Rolling Stones, introduced me to David Bowie, and the, my household is just full of music. And like a, like you mentioned, my mom and dad were involved in melodramas, so I would always go and see them dress in silly little costumes and do all sorts of entertaining things on stage. And I just, you know, was introduced to the stage and music all because of my parents, and have wanted to be on it ever since. So yeah. Okay. Well, we had to get that. I, I know you've been asked that question a lot, but you know there are a lot of people who don't know you, and I wanted them to have that little bit of background. Absolutely. The other piece of background is moving from a vast, beautiful country like South Africa, especially small town South Africa, to New York City. Uh, I think that was your father's idea. Uh, you sing in one of your songs that you are still wide-eyed and bright, bright. It's, it, it sounds like he was right to suggest you move to LA uh, that and you gained a career but you kept your soul uh, now how did you stay wide-eyed and bright bright in a place like New York so yeah it, it was definitely you know me moving to New York was definitely inspired by my dad he used to tell me stories about um, the music scene there because he'd visited a couple times and he would tell me about these women that he used to see and he would tell me how he couldn't understand these beautiful women would be walking around in gorgeous outfits, but they'd be wearing these awful tackies, like sneakers type shoes. And he's like, and then he realized that they were all carrying their heels in their handbags. (laughs) And so that's what he would tell me. So I was always fascinated by this city that, you know, was so, sounded so extravagant and vibrant and beautiful and was full of music and creativity and, and I just, I was like, okay, this is where I need to go for pop music. And yeah, so the song where you're quoting the lyrics, African Heart, where I'm wide-eyed and bright, bright. So the song is talking a lot about the critics um, in South Africa because people can tend to be very closed-minded in a in the place where I sort of grew up where people are very conservative. So, you know, they sort of stick to the norm of once they're finished school, they go to college, they get married, they start a family, which is great, you know, if you're that type of person, but I wanted something more and wanted to, I was very, I'm very career driven and I wanted to explore the world and, and just be my dreams. And so basically there were a lot of people in South Africa, whenever I used to get a tremendous amount of press, friends at school or whoever it was, they weren't very supportive of my dreams and of my goals. And I sort of had to fight it within me and keep people around me who really did believe in me and who did think that it was possible to become, you know, something of yourself in a different world. And I wanted to carry on pursuing that. So basically I kept my family with me um, because they're the most positive and inspiring people that I I have ever met. And, um, yeah, I remained wide-eyed, meaning I stayed positive and kept my eye on the prize and, and moved there to New are. York not knowing one hmm. single person. I didn't even know, like, a cousin or, like, somebody random I'd once met. I knew not one single person when I moved to the States. 
and now I'm the happiest person in the world. Yay. Well, you mentioned African Heart, so why don't we play a little bit of it? Sure. about uh, immigrants now, uh, both within and around the immigrant communities, and you know, asking questions about like should immigrants Im- assimilate and what that actually means. But you seem to have rated your past as an immigrant and into your presence very, very seamlessly. You seem to be able to combine your South Africanness with Americanness. Beautifully. How have you navigated this change so well? Oh, thank you, Patrick. So um, it was just very important to me, you know, because I'm from such a different country and I'm very proud of my roots and very, um, but also very in love with the whole, the culture of America. So basically when I was singing around at open mics, I was dressing up as the African bee. And I hadn't called myself that. I was just dressing as a bumblebee because it was my alter ego because I was inspired by David Bowie. And I had audiences sort of saying, oh, because they remembered me because of my accent and whatever. And they were like, oh, are you that that South African bee? And so that's how I got the title of the EP of the African bee. And, um, yeah, I just always made a thing to, like, you know, keep my roots because that is what's going to separate me because it, you know, there's so many musicians doing pop music, I needed to separate myself. So, oh, it worked out. And and, and of course, our our listeners um, who are on the uh, the Blog Talk Radio page are seeing pictures of you in uh, your your B persona. Now, your song <laughs> "Radiohead," which I believe was written when you were 16, confirmed that music would be the the center of the, all the mixtures of who you are, no matter what. So I want to play a little bit of Radiohead, and then maybe we can talk a little bit about it. There's, 
there are so many great lines in that song. Uh, virgin to the man, slut to the music, uh, tongue dancing techno. Right? You know, I can remember a lot of these things. But the line I really uh, uh, loved is, went to school to learn how to write, and now my pen holds me at gunpoint till midnight. Um, reminds me of when I was writing my books, but it sounds like you're kind of a slave to your own musical muse. Is that right? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Um, yeah, so basically that line is when, you know, as a writer, I'm sure for yourself, then you realize the minute you unleash that, that uh, those, those songs that you just can't stop writing, that, you know, you get rid of that writer's block or whatever it is you want to call it, and you can't stop, and you know it's keeping you up. I, I can't sleep. I can't do anything because there's all these songs coming out, all these lyrics coming out, and you just have to get it out before you lose any of it. So, yeah, you become a slave, but in a very good way. Yeah, okay. We are talking with Binks, the African Bee, about her new album, African Bee, her style, her move from South Africa to New York. And you can talk with her, too. You can call in 347-215-7511, or you can email. And a whole bunch of you already emailed. So I'm going to just go ahead and go right uh, to the emails here. Uh, Zeta Beta in New York City says... um, is Lady Gaga one of your inspirations? Do you know her? Oh, my gosh, absolutely. She's definitely one of my top inspirations. I think that she changed so much for the industry with her, her you know, extravagance and her shock art, and I definitely, definitely take tips from her as well as many, many other artists. She's definitely an influence. Do you know her? I, I have met her personally once. Um, she's great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Alexi in Brooklyn says, um, do you make your own costumes or you, or do you design them and have someone else make them? Yes. So I design them and I have actually created them myself. Not all of them. I designed almost all of them. I designed the B outfit. I designed my stage outfits. Or if I want to incorporate another designer, I'll have me design them and then they'll make them for me. But I'm definitely very hands-on with fashion, for sure. Okay. And you were a model at one point, too, weren't you? Yes. I modeled in Cape Town for about a year or two. So that gives you a little facility with with costuming clothes and and, uh, makeup and all of that. Um, Yes, and runway as well was my favorite. Oh, right. Yes. Uh, Marina in Tampa says, you should come play down here. We have a lot of New Yorkers who would love you. Oh, my gosh. I would love to. I'm definitely working on trying to get, you know, all over the States, wherever I can go, and definitely have plans for an international tour at some point. Okay. All right. Thank you for um, the invite, though. I'll definitely have to keep my eyes out. Um, or or Miami, one of the two. Uh, Farhad in uh, Los Angeles says, your B personality is very impressive, although it reminds me of my college mascot. I wonder where he went to college. <laughs> did, did you know there are a number of colleges that have a, a B mascot? I actually, for some reason, do know that. I don't know why I know that, but I also know a lot of football players wear a lot of black and yellow or something that I've seen a lot of college. Um, that's funny. I think it's great because it reminds people of me sometimes, so I, I enjoy that. Well, the one I know is, is the Yellow Jackets uh, of um, uh, Georgia Tech in, in Georgia, I, but that, that's that's not bees. No, no, it's wasps, but people do confuse it as bees. So, But no, thank you. I appreciate them saying that. All right. Well, since, since a lot of people ask, uh, and I know you've answered this a dozen times, uh, but we do need to talk about the bee. Um, did you, did it sort of evolve or did you just sit down one day and say, you know, this is what my brand is going to be and I'm going to design all this stuff and wear it on stage? Yeah, it definitely evolved. So when I was 10 years old, I started a band and I wanted to have a logo like the Rolling Stones because I thought it was genius that they had this tongue logo that was recognized on the streets, um, you know, being worn or on like magnets or whatever. So I was like, well, that's great. So I would like to have my own logo. And so I came up with the B just because the letter of my name started with the letter B. And then when I turned 16, I had my dad had played me all these videos of uh, David Bowie and Ziggy Stardust, and I was like, whoa, okay, this is so fascinating. And 
he was this character on stage, and I was like, you know, I definitely want to incorporate my own character. So I came up with my alter ego being this, uh, you know, the bee. And like I said, when I moved to the States when I was 20, I was singing at open mics in this bee outfit to set myself apart so people would remember me as a marketing tool. I was just trying to get... I was just trying to be remembered, basically, you know, because there's so many great vocalists and so many talented musicians here. I wanted to stand up from the crowd, and and it did. It worked. And then, so basically, it did evolve. And like I said, the audiences named me the African Bee, and it now has become my entire brand and definitely plan to branch out with merchandise with it as well. So Yeah. Well, I, I think it, um, it, at an open mic, and I've been to a lot of open mics, it's not going to be hard to remember a – Tall, beautiful, blonde woman in a red and a black and white striped leotard. It's just, you're going to stand out. Let me ask you this: since since I know you're hands on, um, if budget was no object, what kind of a show would you like to produce for yourself? What would it look like? Oh, uh, uh, my word! That question is great because I think about this on a daily basis. I mean. Like I'm such a visual artist. I grew up in theater, doing theater, and I would incorporate incorporate every element I possibly could, from life to on stage costume changes to, you know, coming out of the ceiling, coming up from the ground, and um, I would definitely have very very massive um, props. You know, I've even had an idea of coming out of a giant electronic flower. And I would I would do my nut basically. I mean, this this question is so vast because I would basically <laughs> just do everything possible to create the most visually stimulating show that I could possibly think of. Because I'm very because when I go watch a show, you know, I would love to see someone do something I've never seen before or something that I just can't stop thinking about or that just made me feel good. So I definitely would do. Absolutely everything and be hands-on with every every aspect of my show. There was no budget. That is definitely... Okay. <laughs> All right, well, hope, hopefully we're going to see you uh, that way. But uh, And actually, that brings up another question. Is I know you had a showcase at Rockwood in New York not too long ago. Did that lead to any changes in your career? Um, Rockwood for sure, but I think my biggest showcase that I did was at the end of um, last year at Webster Hall. It was a music industry showcase. Oh yeah. So yeah, so I've actually been working with someone from Live Nation. So it's definitely opened up a lot of doors. Uh, you know, he's helping me um, book sort of different shows, bigger shows in the city. So that's definitely been very helpful. Okay. Well, you know what? You, you should, uh, if you can, uh, you should try to get, get on the uh, the agenda at NAM, the National Association of Music Marketers, which is a hundred thousand people from the music industry, producers, direct everybody. Uh, out here in Los Angeles. Uh, so oh, look into that. oh, yeah, it, it is the the big convention, and everybody plays there, the Stones and, you know, the works. Oh. I mean, they all show up. Uh, and one of the yeah, reasons they got... show up is because the following week is the Grammys. But, uh, oh, uh, not, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, take a look at that. Well, uh, we're getting a little tight on time, so and I did want to play one other, at least one other song. This is Headlights. Headlights, and but before we talk about headlights, just want to let you know I've got at least a dozen emails here asking all the same question, and that is, have you endorsed a brand of honey? Oh my gosh! So I'm definitely working on that. I'm actually trying to work uh, with Environment New York or Birds Bees to help um, give a percentage of my EPs towards a charity on saving the bees. So I'm definitely okay. working on a brand with bees for sure. Okay. All right. Well. 
uh, I love the lines in that about the the glow in in the the dark heart. Um, I'm allergic to the darkness, which sounds like a recipe for a great costume. Um, a glow in the dark heart on your costume. <laughs> sure. But I wanted to say. I'm very impressed with the fact that most people in New York that I know can't drive and would never sing about driving cars. And here you have a whole song about it. Did you learn to drive in South Africa? <laughs> That's a funny question. Um, yeah, I did learn to drive in South Africa. I do have a license. I do have a New York driver's license as well. But I, don't, I don't drive in the city in Manhattan. I did drive in Jersey and Long Island, but not in, huh? I definitely don't plan to drive in Manhattan for sure. <laughs> Congratulations. Now, you wrote that song collaboratively uh, in, in about the next minute or so. Can you tell me about it uh, and also answer the question, why don't you use the brakes to avoid a crash? So basically, I wrote that song with Kinetics, and he also wrote the song for uh, B.O.B. and Haley Williams, the song Airplanes. So we, we wrote the song together, and that's the next music video that's actually coming out. So if anybody wanted to to see that I should definitely join my social media for that and uh, so basically the song is about my dad it's dedicated to him it's all about keeping him in my headlights as I continue forward in my music career because he was obviously my biggest fan and my my biggest supporter but um the breaks it's about it's called right before I crash so it's just very um, metaphorical in the sense of a traumatic experience and not being able to put on the brakes Okay. All right. Well, of course, in, in another song, which unfortunately we're not going to have, uh, well, maybe we're, I'm going to see if I can play a little bit of Reckless. I'm addicted to pain. I want to feel it again and again. You're a dangerous A, a very interesting song and, and much different than everything else in the album. Uh, real quick in the minute or so we have left, you've, you've got lines there that says, um, I've been warned I should know I've been burned and I still don't learn. Um, but you also end up with a little bit of hope. You're reckless and I'm not coming back. Um, what's the genesis of that song? I hope it's not personal. Uh, it's, I mean, it's about my very first love and my only love. And yeah, we broke up and it was probably the most devastating thing I had felt up until last year. But, yeah, it's about, you know, we just were in a toxic relationship and we kept going up and down and up and down, and eventually, you know, I was like, enough is enough. So. It could become an anthem for people who work for um, on behalf of abused women. So it's a very powerful song. Wow. Thank you. Um, well, Binks, I love your music. I, I love talking with you. I love uh, looking at pictures of you in, in your in your your bee outfit and videos, particularly the one with the little yellow skirt when you're on the on the taxi cab. That is just great. But oh, we are out of time. Right. No, thank so, you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's been fun, uh, and I want to tell our uh, where should people go to follow you and also to get your music. So um, you can get my music on any uh, download music store, uh, online music store. So iTunes or Spotify, It's you just type in Binks, B-I-N-X, the African B, and that'll pop up. And all my social media is very simple. If you go onto my website, it's BinksOfficial.com. So it's B-I-N-X, official. And that's the same as my Instagram. So my Instagram, Facebook, everything is BinksOfficial, BinksOfficial. So... Yeah, I would love it if anybody would want to support the music, if they like it, to share it. Like I said, I've got my new music video coming out. I'm very excited to have that premiere in the next week or two. So, you know, definitely want to get as many people to watch it as possible and let me know what they think. Okay. All right. Well, thank you once again for being with us. This has been a real pleasure. You have been listening to Music Friday Live with Patrick O'Heffernan from the Cyber Station USA Network, the Blog Talk Radio Network, and our radio affiliates, and also the Artist Network. Artist uh, 
Broncos Network in London. Like our Facebook page, follow our Twitter feeds, get real-time updates on our guests. Our producer is Lars Christensen. Our program director is Jason Bartlebin. Our intern is Angeline Serrano, who now has her own radio show. Go, Angeline. Download this and other Music Friday programs at blogtalkradio.com, or you can find us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to have Chris Angelis, who just won the International Songwriting Competition. And we're also going to talk to the hot new band, Island Apollo, and their brand new single. So check out our Twitter stream, check out our Facebook page, our Instagram feed, and we will update you on the guest. Meantime, have a great, great musical weekend, and we're going to leave you with a little more of Reckless. Thank you. I'm addicted to pain.